feel like I've been talking about this all week, but damn, it feels good to have the NWA back. Damn, it feels good to be talking about NWA power. You know, we've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and months and months and, and a year. An entire year went by, guys. And it wasn't just a year. I mean, it was 420 days to the point. And I'm not trying to make a stoner joke. I'm not trying to make pot humor. It was literally 420 days from the National Wrestling Alliance who last held an event January the 26th, 2020 till March 21st, 2021. And it should be noted that the NWA came back with a very, very solid pay-per-view and followed it up with an absolute solid show of NWA power. My name is J-Cal, and this is the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. And guys... The cool thing about the NWA returning is now we're getting some more questions. We're getting more questions than than I have answers for you. In fact, there wasn't an audience. Well, I mean, hold on. Pump the brakes, Jay. There was an audience, but a very, very small audience that's been sworn to secrecy. So there are no spoilers. Spoilers aren't coming out, guys. You're not going to be able to find out what's happening unless you're either listening very closely to my podcast or other NWA themed podcasts, or you're you're reading the results after they've been posted when NWA Power airs every Tuesday, 6.05 Eastern, 3.05 Pacific, right after the pre-party with J-Cal. That's available on YouTube, by the way. And one of the cool things that I like that the NWA is returning is we had so many questions about what this roster is going to look like, who's going to be a part of the NWA. And some of the answers are starting to trickle, trickle down. You know, Nick Alda said once that there was no trickle down economics, it was the nickel down economics. And we're really starting to see that nickel down economics because sure, the pay-per-view announced that we would have Chris Adonis on the roster. And yes, the NWA announced that we would have Slice Boogie and, and Jordan Clearwater. We would see uh, the return of the War Kings. That would be uh, Jack Dane and Crimson. We would see Tyrus show up in the NWA. But what we weren't counting on were the returns of guys like, um, well, like Austin Idol were crying out loud. He showed up at the pay-per-view and he had an important part on TV. Plus, we saw the return of Melina. I wasn't anticipating that. In fact, there was a rumor in the summer that she had asked for her release and she vehemently, is that the right word? She came out and denied it uh, over and over again that she had not asked for the release. And so there was that uh, question of whether she did or whether she didn't. But ultimately, what we found out is uh, that she's still a part of the roster. We saw an influx of women wrestlers coming to the NWA by way of Mission Pro Wrestling. And, uh, I mean, this is going to be fun, guys. Buckle up. We're going to see. Look, they even put a heavier focus on the television title. If you can't get excited about the Pope, Elijah Burke, defending that TV title and getting through a best of seven series to put him, not the best of seven, but if he bests seven opponents, that'll put him in direct eyesight. Being able to challenge the real world's champion. The national treasure, the dealer, and actually put the cards in the hand of Elijah Burke. 
And that's something I'm excited about. But let's talk about some of the talent that has now made their way to the NWA. Some faces are familiar and some faces are new. But let's let's not stand on any more circumstances. And let's talk NWA right after this. Good Lord, could I get behind a guy like Paro? I mean, let's talk about this dude who's six foot four, almost 300 pounds, maybe even bigger than that now. He made his debut for the National Wrestling Alliance at the NWA 70th anniversary show. Now, he was in the ring with Ricky Starks, Jay Bradley, and Willie Mack. Now, he ended up losing. He was eliminated first. Believe it or not, that big mountain of a man was eliminated first. He was eliminated by Ricky Starks. Now, Ricky Starks is a superstar. Let's not take anything for granted from Ricky Starks. He is a former NWA television champion, the first one of the modern era. And in that match, you had Jay Bradley, who has the boomstick, but it hasn't really been associated with the National Wrestling Alliance since. And then Willie Mack, the man who would win the NWA National Championship and cause all kinds of controversy when he would go to Impact Wrestling. But what can you say about Paro that hasn't already been said? His debut on Tuesday night against Jordan Clearwater, former Hollywood Heritage heavyweight champion Jordan Clearwater, one of the biggest guys on on championship wrestling from Hollywood, was manhandled, was absolutely crushed by Paro. I mean, he he took him to pillar to post. He he beat him like a redheaded stepchild. Is that PC to say? Nevertheless, Paro looking so dominant on his debut, or I guess re-debut with the NWA, looked so dominant that I just, I can't help but think what's next for him. You know, we have this long line of challengers who are starting to get behind the Pope. I mean, we had Tyrus mention that he wanted a shot at the Pope. We saw uh, Fred Rosser win a shot, a number one contenders match, to face the Pope, Elijah Burke, and that that TV title, if you will. So where does that slot somebody like Paro? We know Adonis. We know Adonis showed up at the pay-per-view back for the attack and put good old Trevor Murdoch on the shelf. He wasn't even at the television tapings. Could Paro be looking for another opportunity at the National Heavyweight Championship? Hell, let's not forget... That in All Japan Pro Wrestling, Paro and his tag team partner, Odinson, were pretty much running havoc prior to the global pandemic. Had it not been for COVID-19, he and Odinson would still probably be dominating All Japan Pro Wrestling. Which leads me to believe that the NWA might have some greater intentions for our man Paro than just a run at the National Heavyweight Championship. I mean, hell, we saw the tag team. We saw the tag team champions, Kratos and Stevens, essentially disintegrate right before our eyes in the main event 
on the first episode of Power. Now, that was episode one. That was the relaunch. That was the the beginning. But what's what's going to happen? How's this going to play out? I mean, that's what we all have to kind of wait for and be patient for. Oh, it's so hard being patient, right? But let's let's look more at Paro. Because whether they slot him in the tag team division with Odinson, maybe they put him with somebody new. The man is a beast. Did anyone else get Vader vibes? Was it just me? Am I the only one that got the Vader vibes? Was I the only one that was just... I just had that sense that, uh, you know, it was time. It was Paro's time. So not to get too carried away, I mean... Let's face it, Paro made a great debut, or re-debut, I should say, on NWA Power. He did put uh, easily dispatch uh, Jordan Clearwater, that's for certain. Um, but let's talk about Paro, the wrestler. The, I mean, the man. Because he's not just a wrestler, right? I mean, everybody has a story. What's the story about Paro? Like, Paro, where did he come from? Well, if you guys didn't know, Paro was actually a graduate of the 3D Wrestling Academy. That's Bully Ray and Devon Dudley. Get the damn tables. The Dudley boys. And he had been a product of that of that school and wrestled all over the state of Florida before being picked up by FIP Wrestling. Now, in the old days, FIP and Ring of Honor were almost like sister promotions. Gabe Spolowski uh, was kind of a... The engineer, if you will, of FIP. And when Gabe Spolowski left Ring of Honor to start uh, WNN or WWN, World Wrestling Network, you know, that relationship with FIP went with him. Now, Paro, again, speaking about Odinson, that's where he was partnered up with Odinson, was was with uh, FIP and with Evolve. And I mean, he's been in the ring with some some future WWE signees. I'm talking about guys like, uh, well, like, uh, oh, wow, all of a sudden now I'm drawing a blank because the camera's on me. Uh, with Matt Riddle. He'd been in the ring with guys like, um, it's kind of funny that ding sound was from Facebook, but it almost sounded like uh, I had a bright idea. Um, he was also in the ring with the likes of... Um, I'm doing so terrible with names. I had this written down earlier. Nevertheless, guys, I mean, he's been in the ring with some stiff competition. And the fact that he's been able to continue continuously evolve in the ring. And, and you know, as a human being, one of the cool things that I found out about Paro, and I found this out at the 70th anniversary show. Well, I, I mean, I guess we all knew about this before the 70th anniversary show because there was... In 2017, there was a lot of talk about Paro. In fact, it was the end of 2017, 2018 to be more exact. Uh, there was a uh, issue of Out Magazine, Out Sports, that actually covered um, Paro's uh, opening opening up about his sexuality. Now, I remember at the time thinking, man, why is this news? I mean, whatever, you know, I, I'm not here to dictate morality or anything else like that. Um you know, somebody's sexual preference is really none of my business. But I think it's very, very cool about how welcoming the wrestling community has been with Paro. And more so, I feel like it's uh, it, 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 it's kind of changed the norm, the stereotype, right? Where uh, in the past, the, the wrestler that was gay was usually very flamboyant 
or or wrestlers would act flamboyant and be accused of being gay and it it made the whole thing very vicious and not you know not accepting not not welcoming and it, it was i mean honestly I, I didn't like it you know there, there was chuck and billy who neither one of them were gay but they were portraying um these very flamboyant characters and the audience would shout uh chant really you know obscene remarks to them now those days are are seemingly gone or at least they're on their way out and hopefully um you know hopefully for my kids and your kids and the generations behind us that uh the the sexuality isn't a news point but it did catch headlines in 2017 2018 and he was the first openly gay wrestler to compete for the national wrestling alliance i think that's pretty cool I think that's pretty that that says a lot about Billy Corgan. It says a lot about the direction of the company and the fact that he's welcomed back. And he's not the only openly gay wrestler on the roster right now because we saw Fred Rosser again uh, win that spot to challenge for the TV title. So I think, you know, in a, in a land of woke culture and cancel culture and all of that, I just feel like it's pretty cool that the NWA is doing its best to be inclusive to its roster and allowing talents of uh, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different sexual orientations to have this spot. And again, when you look at a guy like Fred Rosser, or more importantly, we're talking about Paro, they don't they don't have these uh, stereotypical um, attributes. They're not made to prance around. They're not made to be uh, overly effeminate. They're not made to wear pink spandex. I mean, they're allowed to be themselves. They're allowed to be men, and 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 that's that's perfect. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. We should point out that the NWA roster is going to continue to evolve as long as power continues to produce new and viable content. So... One of the things that Billy Corgan really stressed early on before before power was even introduced was that there would be a carousel of talent that would come and go. So it it's always hard to decipher who's going to be a part of the roster long term and who's simply meant to be here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, when Matt Cross appeared at hard times in, in the matches before and after hard times, I personally didn't think he was going to be a long-term fixture for the NWA. However, when here we are at NWA Power episode 22 and we have we have Matt Cross back. In fact, I was kind of surprised he was back. And I was also surprised by some of the other faces that I saw who were now with the NWA. And I mean I I think I'll start off first with Marche Rocket. Now, a lot of people aren't going to know who Marche Rocket is. Unfortunately, Marche has never made a big name outside of the Midwest. Like, he's not a household name. He hasn't really had that opportunity, those 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 chances to have that big break. Yeah, I mean, he's got victories over guys like, uh, uh, oh man, <laughs> Johnny Gargano. I almost forgot his name. He's had victories over guys um, that, you know, are are more than just... Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is he's had opportunities, but nothing's ever materialized for the man. 
You know, there's no there's no uh, WWE tryouts that I've seen on his radar. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but on the surface, you know, he he's had some success in the Midwest. I mean, he uh, he competed at the King of Trios with Chikara back in 2008 and 2009. He's had a successful tag team. Uh, with Acid Jazz or sometimes Willie Richards as the soul touches. They've won tag titles for Resistant Pro Wrestling. They won tag titles in the IWA Mid-South. They, they, they've been quite a few places, even recently winning um, the International Wrestling uh, Revolution Group in Mexico. They won the tag team titles there, the Intercontinental Tag Team titles, I should say. It brought those to the United States back in 2019. However, due to the global pandemic, you know, there hasn't been any title defenses, nor have they been able to take the belts back to Mexico. Um, you know, I, I mean, one of his highlights is, is challenging the late, great Joe Cephas for the Resistance Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Now, now that Resistance Pro was, well, that was Billy Corgan's first foray into producing professional wrestling. So there might be a connection there, and that might be why Marsh Rocket is Marche Rocket is in the NWA. I mean, I don't, I'm not accusing Billy Corgan of playing favorites, nor am I accusing him of any form of nepotism, but I, I personally wouldn't hold it against the guy if there's someone that's worked for him throughout the years that he's given an opportunity to on this global platform that previously didn't exist. So yeah, Marsh, Marche, and he looked pretty good in the triple threat match. Again, he's a guy that uh, I'd never seen before. And in that triple threat match, he looked, you know, he looked okay. It was a weird dichotomy in that match anyways, because you had Matt Cross, who is smaller, lighter, but faster, quicker, and probably, uh, you know, maybe the only junior heavyweight on the roster. And then you put him in the ring with a guy who's like six foot five and, and, and what, 260 pounds in uh Marche Rocket. And then their 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 fellow opponent was Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser. And you guys know I'm a big Fred Rosser fan. If you've been listening to this podcast for a minute, you know that Fred Rosser uh has ties that go deep with the NWA. He was most recently seen working with Primetime Live and New Japan Trunk. Both of those are Dave Marquez productions. If you didn't know now you know. But Fred Rosser's connection to the NWA, I mean, they extend well over a decade. I mean, we're talking about 2007, 2008. Longtime fans of the NWA will remember him as Fred Sampson. Rosser was a regular for NWA Pro Wrestling East. He worked Viva La Lucha and Rising Phoenix. All these promotions were affiliates of Dave Marquez back in the uh, old NWA Hollywood days. He even was able to participate in the Reclaiming the Gold tournament when he defeated the uh, Puerto Rican superstar Glamour Boy Shane in the first round of that tournament. He would lose in the second round to Brent Albright, who would make it to the finals. Shortly after his time with the National Wrestling Alliance, he was in the WWE. First at uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, and then later, NXT, when it transitioned, he and Titus became tag team champions back in 2015. Uh, you know, we talked about, uh, we talked a little bit about how Harlow was, uh, it was a big deal when he came out as an openly gay professional wrestler 
But Marche, excuse me, Marche, not Marche. Uh, Fred Rosser was uh, the first, uh, as far as I know, first openly gay WWE wrestler. And he, you know, when when the news broke about that, he was kind of, uh, he wasn't working a lot of matches with the WWE. And when he was eventually released, you know, I, I don't think anyone attributed it to that anything other than they just had nothing for him. Um, you know, that at one point they even partnered uh, Fred Rosser with Bob Backlund to, to for him to perfect the cross-faced chicken wing, which we didn't see yet in the NWA, but we might, we, we could. Him winning, him winning that match guarantees him a shot at the Pope. You know, the last, uh, the, the, with Fred Rosser being on primetime live, you know, he made his debut in a match against another guy who just joined the NWA roster in Chris Adonis. But I think one of the biggest names, at least one of the hottest names, one of the names connected to AEW that people are talking a lot about was Alex Graciara. Now she's appeared on like 12 episodes of AEW programming. Her win loss record. I mean, it's nothing to write home about. But the fact that she's getting these opportunities means that there's somebody there in AEW that sees value in her. And I think I think we should all pay attention because even though, like I said, her wins and loss records could be a bit misleading, um, you know, she's she's been making her reputation as a global entity. She's been wrestling all around the world. I mean, she might be best known for her work in the Southwest circuit, working matches for uh, Southwestern Wrestling Entertainment Fury or the reality of wrestling that's a Booker T's promotion or even Thunder Rosa's Mission Pro but she's a world class competitor Graciara has spent time working matches in Mexico with various Lucha Libre promotions she's been in Japan for stardom I mean she's had matches on the World Wrestling Network's affiliates Shine and Evolve so even though she had a rough night against Camille Make no mistake about it. She has the skill set to make an impact, no pun intended, in the National Wrestling Alliance. Which leads me to say, man, that even though these are only just a few names that are, are joining the NWA roster, it, there's got to be more. And that's what's really exciting. And like I said earlier, the NWA coming back, we're, they have potential to bring in new names, new faces. And, you know, people are sad that, you know, LA Knight is now with NXT. James Storm is with Impact. Tasha Stills moved on to Impact. You know, Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, Colt Cabana, all are now on AEW. And 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 I hear a lot of fans upset and sad that, you know, that the NWA's changed, that the roster looks different. But I'm telling you, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it creates a lot of opportunity and a lot of excitement. Who's going to end up in the NWA next? Who do you think can show up? I mean, there's so much great talent that's unsigned. And that's one of the beautiful things about pro wrestling is you don't really know what's going to happen. And in an environment now where everything is top secret, there are only a handful of fans who've been sworn to secrecy. We're not going to hear these things. We're not going to get these rumors broken. Or will we? I mean, that's a sure way to make sure you don't get invited back to the show is spreading the rumors and and uh, giving out all the gossip, right?
Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance Blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.